Welcome back to Internet Computer Report, episode number four. My name is Andrew Phillips. And my name is Evan McFarland. And today we're going to be having a closer look at one of the key concepts of the Internet Computer, software canisters. Yes, and this is a very fundamental part of what the Internet Computer is about. And you'll also find much of what we're talking about with a recent blog post that was um, released by Definity. And you'll find that in the description, but we're going to be running through it and hopefully making all the concepts of that really uh, long and drawn out, very technical blog post into simple analogies that everyone could understand. Fantastic. Very cool. So in this blog post, uh, they talked about, uh, depending on the background where you come from, uh, you may view the term canisters in a different way. So an Ethereum developer, when he hears canisters, may think about a smart contract. Uh, a PhD student may think about the actor model. A systems engineer may think about processes in an operating system. And an expert in virtual machines may think about WebAssembly modules. So let's start with the first one. An Ethereum developer may think about smart contracts. Yes, and smart contracts is a, a thing that we've all become familiar with. And an important distinction that Definity makes that I really love is instead of calling it smart contracts, you might want to call it autonomous software. And when Ethereum first came around, we spoke about in the last episode, it wanted to be a sediment layer for DeFi. But people realize there's more opportunity for software it, uh, to create dApps that expand beyond DeFi. And so um, I think that's even a better name for it. But what makes smart contracts unique in separating it from regular code is that its rules, at least in Ethereum's case, were shared among everyone. So there is no discrepancies about what that code is going to do. So if me and you have a contract, uh, there's no way it could be changed if it's distributed across a bunch of computers because that's the beauty of blockchain. Mm -hmm. And uh, the problem with Ethereum doing that is that if everyone's sharing the same code and holding it and running it, then it's really inefficient because why are you going to have a thousand people who aren't using the code running it? Uh, Definity gets around that by using what they call the Internet Computer Protocol. So canisters are going to be the only ones holding that code but you'll maintain those same assurances thanks to the Internet Computer Protocol. So if that's the gist of it, it's smart contract bundles, like bundles of smart contract code inside these neat packages. And that's what an Ethereum uh, developer would think about when they hear canister. Very cool. Okay. So that was a real nice uh, seamless example. So now the next one they have is a PhD student may think about the actor model. Uh, do you want to, first of all, can you tell us what the actor model is? Yes. I, I really love the actor model, and this is going to be the most drawn out ex explanation because it's uh, very fundamental to the design philosophy of Definity. Uh, but basically, I'll, I'll talk about me and you. Let's imagine we're computers in an analogy here. And right now, we're passing messages back and forth as we communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And our brains work in much the same way that computers do. So me and you are talking. When I ask you a question, I'm sending you a message asking you to perform a computation on it and return a message based on whatever computation you performed. Mm -hmm. That's what computers so do. So just the response. So you, you ask me something and I'm going to respond back to you with something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's even what we do with computers. If I send you an email, you know, we're doing the same thing. The problem is that, well, computers are designed for connectivity. And most of our messages would fall on deaf ears if you added in more people or more computers. Okay. So if your friend Alice walked through the door and she had to ask you a question, ask you to perform a computation on it and get a response, you would have to stop talking to me. Mm -hmm. And if I was talking to you while you were talking to Alice, you wouldn't receive any of my messages. Mm. Uh, so the first thing is actor model is 
something very, very important for distributed systems because distributed systems are going to require collaboration uh, across thousands of computers. And uh, the conventional way to do it is have a centralized database that everyone refers to. So this way you don't have the issue of multiple people collaborating. They could all just uh, pull, send messages and receive data back from a centralized source. Okay. Uh, so the actor model is ha uh, a theoretical basis for how things can run concurrently and how computers could do uh, basically two or more things at once because generally you'll have a computer doing one thing at once. So does that, does that kind of yeah, answer yeah, what the that, actor well, model yeah, is? Yeah, that, that answers it. Uh, so, okay, so how would a PhD student think about that? So how does a canister and the actor model, how do they overlap? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll throw in a like more relatable example to what the internet is today mm -hmm. of what the actor model is. And the poster child for an example of the actor model might be flight booking websites. So if you go on a travel website, you are going to type in uh, like wherever you want your flight to go. So if, let's say New York to California. Okay. There's going to be different airlines with different rates and different time frames. And that travel website doesn't have all that data on hand. And the data is constantly changing. And where uh, is that data coming from? Well, it has to come from a bunch of different sources. So it has to come from individual airlines that you know are all over the mm, all so over it's the aggregating world. all that information constantly. Yeah. And since you're placing a request, you're not placing a request to someone, you're placing a request to thousands of people. Okay. And that's an analogy for why decentralization is important in previous, previously centralized systems. Uh, so the actor model is, uh, makes everything into an actor. And I hope this doesn't sound counterintuitive, but mm -hmm. all an actor is, like an actor is anything. So don't get caught up in, so in, in the word. So in the example that we said before, so I would be an actor, you'd be an actor, mm -hmm. and this other third party would be an actor. Yeah, so even the travel website would be an actor. You, the computer, would be the actor. Okay. Because you're requesting. Uh, and then like every airline would be an actor in its own sense. Okay. Here's what an actor is. All it is is software, and it's synonymous to a canister. So th these multiply. Mm -hmm. It's software that has data, and what an actor could do is it could take messages, perform computations on it, and send messages. And then, okay. uh, yeah, so that's really all canisters do. That's the fundamental basic mm -hmm. principles of computing. Mm -hmm. And the one special thing about it is it could make more actors. And so if you, let's say, um, like I said before, the problem with computing systems, and it, it like works fundamentally with your own computer. You only have one core processor unit that could do one thing at a time. Um, in the case of a canister, if you run into problems where there's too much going on in one canister, because they do have capacity limits, all you do is break it up into two canisters, and then you connect them. Mm -hmm. And that's what, like, scalability works, and it keeps the principles of blockchain. You won't find that in other blockchain projects. Very interesting. Okay, cool. So yeah. that was a nice uh, breakdown of what the actor model is. Now, a system engineer may think about processes as in an operating system. So... Yeah, let's go into that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I remember reading that blog. I didn't get a full picture of how a canister looks like a process. But, and I, I think this might have been intentional because we don't know how the Internet Computer Protocol really connects things or decides which canisters are going to be prioritized. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll mention uh, so, Definity calls their project the Internet Computer. And not like they were the first ones to take this name because it actually is an, a computer. And whenever you use a computer, you're often outsourcing 
the computing power to whatever website you use, you know, you're using their database. It's not, it's not all held locally mm -hmm. on the computer. Um, and what a process is, it's, it's the thing that decides which thing is going to be prioritized on a computer. All right. So let, let's say that I just threw a lot of jargon out there, but let's say I have my phone, I'm playing a game on my phone and an email comes in and the, I have an email notification that pops up on my phone at the same time. There's two processes that just happen, and a CPU can only do one at a time. And the process was the logic that decided that you could stop processing the game for one millisecond so you could worry about throwing that notification in front of the app. Hmm. And when you have things running in the background, you're constantly deciding upon how to divide uh, processing power. So... If each canister is a compute unit, then the internet computer is the thing that's going to magically decide how to process each one in an order that will make the user experience seamless because if there's a millisecond gap between each computing process, yeah. uh, then you won't notice like you could be running five apps at the same time. It'll look, it'll look like they're running at the same time, even if they're not at a technical level. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's how a system and an engineer would think about the, that yeah. process. It, that, yeah. Really just um simple version. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about it as a computer. Uh, your computer has a hard drive. It has a core processor unit. It has a storage, you know, and in a virtual space is a virtual machine, which is what we're going to get to next. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's actually our next yeah. one is <laughs> an expert in virtual machines may think about WebAssembly modules. So let's yeah. go into WebAssembly modules. Okay, so uh, so the virtual machine idea is that's exactly what you're doing. When you outsource computing power, if you're running an application on your computer that's mm -hmm. too computationally intensive mm -hmm. for your own hardware to handle, uh, you'll outsource it, and generally you would do that with Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud or something like that. So um, when you go onto Amazon Web Services and you borrow some computer space, that is a virtual machine. Uh, yeah, virtual, yeah. It's, okay. So if you're that, if that's the place that the code is running. Mm -hmm. So if you um, make an app locally and you decide you want to distribute it to thousands of people, you need a virtual machine that'll run it, so those thousands of people could run your code at the same time. Okay. Um, so so WebAssembly. What's WebAssembly? They say uh, the analogy is WebAssembly module instances. So we'll take we'll take each of those words and hopefully. Set up the okay, dominoes. So, we'll start with so WebAssembly <laughs> first. We've covered this before in another topic, but what it was actually a lot of developers not even are not too sure what about WebAssembly is. It's relatively new. It's a uh, a very it's a low level language. Uh, we want to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So WebAssembly is an an amazing project, and it's been around for a couple of years, but it's still new because of how big, how large the scope is of what they're doing, and it's it's a combination of Microsoft and. Uh, Google got in on it, and Firefox, Mo Mozilla. I think all, so they, yeah, all browsers are all these WebAssembly. largest companies are working on it, and the mm -hmm. goal is to unify all the broken and different languages that the internet uses, and make it basically a, a translator. Okay. So if you're it's talking, an interpreter, you can write yeah, in, if you're, anything. If you're yeah. talking German and I'm talking English, a, a translator would be inside it. If I'm writing JavaScript and you're writing Rust, yeah. those are programming language codes. Uh, they should be able to translate to each other, so okay. they could run in a universal language gotcha uh so WebAssembly did this they are working on it with javascript they did it f like almost fully with rust and matoko so J javascript is the most popular web development language then you have rust which is uh, like another popular one not as big as javascript 
but they could complete the same things. And then Matoko, which is Definity's native programming language. So you write code in one of them, and you put it into a WebAssembly module. So you, uh, the module is going to be the bundle of code that's been translated into that lower layer, uh, lower level format. That means it could work across all three programming languages. Mm. So that, oh, that, wow. that's what okay. a WebAssembly module is. Yes. And then the instance. So a WebAssembly module instance is when you add data to the software code. Uh, and as we know, canisters have this beautiful idea where they hold both the software and the data in the same place. This way you don't have to worry about databases and then all the annoying things that come along with databases. So if you look at a software canister, even that we have this complex explanation, it is the simplest IT stack that you created because it's a, as a WebAssembly module instance, it is the only thing you need to be running things on the internet computer. It's all contained in a canister. Okay. Did, did that answer? What yeah, it? yeah. So that's how a, an expert in virtual machines may see it. And now, so what does this mean for the like a developer, just in the simplest of layman terms for a developer? Yeah, so uh, all you have to worry about is the canister. <laughs> and yeah. there's a couple, a couple other things. So if you're talking about the back end, you have a software code that you would write. Let's, I'll say even if you want to do this right now, go down, uh, download Visual Studio Code, mm -hmm. and then add the Matoko extension. Then you could write code in Matoko, so you could write whatever app you want to make. And the next step is compiling it in, like through a command line interface and deploying it to the internet computer. So that's it. There was no databases. There was no uh, cloud. There was none of that. Okay. And then there's a additional language for the front end, yeah. but you know that that would you, you would have to deal with for anyone. And let's say that one special thing about canisters that would separate it from building DApps on another blockchain platform is there's two things that the programming language does, so two functions. It could do queries, which means it's just a request for information that doesn't change the underlying information. And then there's update, update calls, uh, which actually change the private state within the canister. So what the developer has to be thinking about that separates it from the rest of the web development world is if you're writing in Matoko uh, or another language that you plan on compiling into Matoko, then your canister is going to hold a private state, which is the data within it that only can change by the rules of the code within the canister. Mm. And that's enforced by the internet computer protocol that connects all the canisters. Um, and then query calls, which is just going to request information about that private state. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Okay, great. So that was a, that was a nice, you used a lot of great analogies. Yeah, yeah I, I really hope I, I didn't use too many uh, big words there. I, no, I was, I think that was good. <laughs> you know, obviously this is going to be more for a technical audience, this uh, particular episode, but it is really good that we actually went in deep dive into software canisters. So thank you for answering those questions and uh, we'll be on to the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks very much for watching everybody. Yeah. Thank you guys. <laughs>